This episode of Fix Me a Drink is brought to you by My Lemon Greens Limited Edition Blended Bourbon Unabridged Volume 1. Dave and I created the whiskey with our old friend Heather Green. She's the brand's master blender and its co-founder. Unabridged also makes a wonderful present for yourself or the whiskey lover in your life. Get a bottle on Flavier now before it sells out. Cheers. You're listening to Fix Me a Drink, a Flaviar podcast. Welcome to another edition of Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, head of Cocktails and Spirits for Flaviar. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Weinrich. How are you, Dave? I'm doing great. Yourself? I am well. I can't believe that it is already December somehow. This this year has evaporated <laughs> for our eyes. It, uh, yeah, it, it it limped along for a while there, and then it picked up steam. And now we're going top speed into the holiday season, yeah. which uh, is its own minefield of parties. Well, we've got no better driver for that uh, than our guest today, who's one of my old friends and mentors and heroes in the uh, food writing business and uh, entertaining writing and entertaining business in general. Uh, This is going to be a real privilege. Absolutely. We can't wait to get Melissa Clark on. Obviously, New York Times columnist for their food section, author of the books, the the best-selling books. I mean, so many books she's written. Oh, my God. She's written a shelf, two shelves of books. It's like, I mean, literally... More than three dozen books, but the most recent one, Dinner in One, which came out this fall, which is, uh, you know, exceptional and easy one pan meals. Mm -hmm. And then before that, Dinner in French. And before that, Dinner Changing the Game, a cookbook. Before that, I mean, it just keeps going. Comfort in an instant. And, you know, they're all full of like wonderful, uncomplicated, very tasty recipes, which is, I mean, that's her, that's, that's Melissa's stock and trade is let's not overcomplicate this, but let's make it creative and at the same time, delicious. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to chat with her about all of her tips and tricks and advice for throwing a successful holiday party. This will be fun. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, it is that time of year. I think we're all a little out of practice, I'd say, but speaking for myself and others in all the holiday party etiquette, uh, you know, for both attending and hosting parties. And I'm a little nervous. It's been a while. Well, I'll say if Melissa doesn't know how to do it on this topic, I don't think anybody does. because uh, <laughs> Exactly. You are an inveterate hostess and uh, extremely good at this. So uh, we're very lucky to have you. I love a party. <laughs> Between you, Dave, and Melissa, we're in good hands today in our in our episode. I think we'll be able to get through the, the holidays with your advice. Well, let's start with uh, guests. Guests. You should have them. Although if you don't have guests, then you get to eat all the food by yourself, which is kind of fun. But no, guests guests are definitely um, fun at a party. I I like them. (laughs) You know, the thing about guests is 
I have a really hard time setting limits. Like I just want all my friends to come. And so it's really hard for me to, to pick a number. But if you're doing a sit down party, don't invite more people than can fit at your table. This is like, you do not want to squish people. It's really uncomfortable. You're just limited by the size of your table, or you can always put a table next to your table, um, you know, but try to make it one long table rather than having the kids table, because then some people always feel left out. So that is your only limit. Um, I've, I've, my favorite kind of parties though, are the standing around chatting parties where, you know, you're, you can either be eating an entire meal or you could just have hors d'oeuvres and drinks. But I really like the circulation. I like to be able to talk to people, small groups, right? But that, that puts a limit on what kinds of food you can serve. I was just thinking that. My, my mother always talks about the time in Holland she got served soup at a standing party and everybody stood around with like a cup of soup hanging off of the plate that they were holding. Oh, God. And that seems wow. just way that, – that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I bet those Dutch people were just so, you know, just so perfectly balanced that nobody spilled anything on anyone else's shoes. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't count on that for New Yorkers. I gotta yeah. say, I love my fellow New Yorkers, but. Mm. But then again, I have been to parties. And in fact, Dave, I think I've been to parties at your house where you have soup in a mug. That's true. And then that is very nice and easy. And then you don't have to worry about balancing the plates. I mean, I think balancing a plate, I think, you know, rule of thumb is one-handed food if you're standing. Because yeah. well, yeah. what are you going to do with your drink? And, I mean, you can get like those plates that have glass hooks and all that but that just seems like a lot of reaching and uh i don't i don't know they're never as stable as you want them to be exactly and i think talking about plates and stability the bedrock to a good party is a stable plate right like you know we've all been there where it's some flimsy paper plate that like you know is folding like a you know like a cheap tent on you and you know the food is funneling onto your shirt funneling right? down on down your sweater yeah right it's like oh god and that's the party when somebody's serving like watery chili or something and you're like I, i'm gonna need like a real bowl here yeah so i mean i guess like just basic party etiquette is make a plan you know write things down and make a plan and figure out you're not just planning the food but you're planning the flow of the party like that's a good thing to start out with so is it a big party where you're standing around um, eating hors d'oeuvres or, you know, even something more substantial, but there, it needs to be something easy to hold. Mm. So is is that the party? Then where's the bar? Where are the drinks? Where are there little tables that are strategically put around or surfaces where people can put down something, you know, easily while they're chatting? So the, the, think of the flow. And if you're having a sit down party, like I said, make sure there's enough chairs and enough space at the table for everyone. So that's like number one. But if, if it's a standing party, if you've got more than 35 people or so, you might need two bathrooms available. Oh, Dave, yeah. that, you know, you know, that is a very good point. There's there's stuff like that that starts to get into it. Uh, you might need to hire somebody to clean stuff, to pick up to pick up glassware and bust things. If you've got like a standard, like two large rooms, let's say, you know, a living room, dining room situation, plus kitchen, 40 people is plenty for that. That's a lot of people. Yeah. But if you start to invite more than that, you're really going to get into trouble unless you've got help, unless you've got extra space, yeah, and unless you've got extra bathrooms. That is such a good point. Or you can do a stat, you know, I mean, you can also do a party that has a long window, like, a, and like an open house kind of thing. Like, oh, come, come by for a drink between three and seven. 
And then you, you're hope, but then you hope everyone doesn't show up at five, which they probably won't. So. <laughs> yeah. Or at seven. I, right. Or exactly. I always like, I worry about that. Um, those parties are great if you have kids, because then you yeah. are assuming that the people with the kids are going to come early, like friends with kids come early and friends without kids tend to come later, but that is not a hundred percent. But if it's all one age group or something, then you're going to run into trouble. <laughs> but you know, if you've got like, outdoor space or something like oh, that yeah. where you could which you could set up as an auxiliary food station and bar or something you just need stuff to uh to let the pressure out once you've got more than say roughly 40 people i i find anyway i mean we're lucky we have stoops <laughs> throw yeah. them out on the stoops yeah stoop is good for that i kind of feel like what is it julia child always talked about like you know frying potatoes dave is looking at me quizzically i'm bringing it around but like you know you or steaks you put too many in a pan they won't cook properly right and i feel That's like right. it's kind of the same way like a party you, you shove too many people in the room and it's not going to work well you you run a risk of people not getting what they want right and you can't see all of them and you can't spend time with them and then you know there's the question of drink which is what I was going to talk to you guys about. Okay, so, um, Dave, I don't know if you remember this story, but, um, you know, in the past, Noah, Dave and I have had a party where he makes a fabulous flaming punch. This is a Christmas mm -hmm. thing. It is super fun. I love this. It did almost set your house on fire. I one. was going to say, for <laughs> our listeners <laughs> out there, it's like a little next level. This is apocryphal, the story of a flaming punch. <laughs> you could never light a punch on fire inside right, i'm just going to tell my own personal story about the time that i i i had seen somebody set us a punch on fire and i decided that i was going to do that and i so i was invited to a friend's house um at, at the in the country and we had small children at the time lots of small children running around just imagine and of course i take their big wedding present glass punch bowl and decide to set the punch on Ooh. fire oh you know what happened you know what happened <laughs> glass everywhere oh no why does that happen dave can you it's like a, it was a big heavy thick glass thing why did it explode can you explain the physics? <laughs> well there, there might have there might have been a flaw in it somewhere and it heated unevenly and then right. you know if glass heats unevenly the parts start to move apart from each other and uh, there's not a lot of tensile strength in glass i mean so. i would say that one of my rules of thumb for like a holiday party a punch that's not flaming. <laughs> well, I don't know, because I got to say, there's nothing more fun than gathering everybody around to watch the punch bowl set on fire. Oh, God. But you probably should use one that's steel. Oh, yeah. Not, what about not the, glass. I mean, what about the, the stoneware ones? Those are better because they're a lot thicker and that uh, absorbs the fire. But if the fire burns too long and they get too hot, stoneware will crack too. And also, like, what is it sitting on, right? Like, the not ideal to put that on the... Well, yeah, it's always got to sit on something fireproof. And I, I'll put it on a sheet pan, which I know you've got lots of, Melissa. You know how I feel about sheet pans. You put it on a sheet pan, so if it cracks, it catches oh start the liquid, at least at the beginning. And a fire extinguisher. Well, yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> different, clearly different ideas. So I mean, you should have one. Is yeah. Evil Knievel uh, party planning uh, a school? Of I I was making uh, Charles Dickens's Flaming Punch once at a dinner at the National Arts Club on uh, Gramercy. And there was an another one of the speakers had been extremely uh, 
off-putting and pretentious and uh and he had been sitting next to me and ignoring me while i was sitting next to dr ruth on the other side dr. Ruth. and she and i had an absolutely lovely time he was a wonderful person to talk amazing to. but this other person less so and uh i got my revenge because he was the final speaker and before he spoke i had to make my charles dickens is flaming punch <sighs> now i could have made the fire small but I made it so it went almost up to the ceiling. <laughs> this enormous, enormous thing with the, and I gave the whole Charles Dickens talk while I was ladling flaming, flaming punch out, and it made uh, his stuff seem very anticlimactic. Oh my god, so, the guy didn't stand a chance. No. Nope. Yeah. No. Exactly. So you know, be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's always a rule, a good rule, especially when you're at a party. But but flaming punch can be very fun. But you've got to be, you've got to know what you're doing, and. Uh, I wouldn't do it for the first time in front of a large party. Yeah. And you don't leave it flaming. Right, you put it out. You flame it for briefly so everybody sees fire. How exciting. And then you put it out. And you put the ice in. You like It's on fire, and then you put the ice in, and then... I just hope Dr. Ruth, wherever she is now, that she's telling people about the story about being at the National Arts Club with some pyromaniac quoting Dickens and making <laughs> a, a big fiery bowl of punk. I certainly hope so, but uh, she was uh, she was as delightful a dinner companion as I've ever had. Okay, let's talk about food and cocktails. Okay, so because this is this is important for parties. If you're going to serve lots of drinks, you have to have food. Absolutely, <laughs> basically, hundred percent. The worst things I've ever seen are parties with too much to drink and too little yeah. to yes. eat. It's dangerous. Uh, that's uh, that's how they like to do it in England. Don't be like <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> plenty of plenty of water, plenty of uh, seltzer, plenty of water, plenty drinks. of food. Yeah, I, I would not serve thing. Uh, I, this has happened to me. I've been served lots of drinks uh, and been given uh, fish crudite to go with. Yeah. It. Mm. yeah, you know that's not enough food. I, I was going to say like something like you know what's really good. So I think we need to we just assume we need, you need to lay in a layer of carbohydrates. Like yes. that is exactly. like so, and and also some protein. So I'm gonna just give you some really good party snacks um, that you don't even have to cook. Like okay, so your mixed nuts, and then the key here: small bowls of lots of little things. You want small bowls because yeah. everybody's sticking their fingers in. If you can have toothpicks next to it, even better. But small bowls are less intimidating, and they kind of feel like you can empty them and refill mm -hmm. them. So, so you got your small bowls of nuts and olives. It, wherever you live, if you could buy good focaccia, that is you're gonna be your lifesaver. Good focaccia with That's olive oil good. and salt if it had it's not messy like pizza but it's really filling and nice and thick cut it up into squares little cocktail napkin people love it bread sticks um i personally love potato chips chips and dip i mean it doesn't matter how fancy your party is if you have a fancy party you can do chips sour cream and caviar if you have a regular party you mm. can just do regular you know dip mm -hmm. um so but these are going to be like if you have enough of these around um then you, and it's, it's, the nuts are important too because um, you don't know who's not eating gluten in your crowd, right? Um, and then exactly. with the with the bread, you don't know who's not eating nuts. Like, just make sure you have some things that everybody can eat to lay down a foundation. Um, other good um, tips: um, so the chips, yeah, something with potatoes are really good. Um, and then, of course, time honored cheese. When you do your cheese, cut it up ahead. Don't just put the block yeah, out. Yeah, good idea. Cut exactly. It up and make it easy for people to grab. Same thing with your salami. Cut it up, have it all ready. And this is just like you're, you're going to make it so much easier for your guests to eat enough so that they're not going to get drunk and sloppy. 
even if you go for a spiral cut ham, yes. which can be a classic move if you've got uh, a large stand up stand around party. Uh, yeah. You should probably cut a lot of the ham off of it first yeah. and into uniform pieces. So that because otherwise people are messing with knives and forks and, and you know, carving off their own slices and some will do it and some won't and some get flustered and et cetera. I mean, I think I always make the mistake in the past of like when hosting dinner parties or holiday parties where you're, you, you get very ambitious and then you wind up like having to finish all the dishes while everybody's there. And mm. one of the reasons why I was very excited that you were coming on, obviously you wrote the book for, you know, the Instapot, Comfort and Instant, and then also your new book, which just came out this fall, Dinner and One, which is easy one pan meals. Those both seem to me like a great option to make food ahead of time and just have it like ready to go for folks. Yeah. Oh God. Anything you can do. Yeah. Don't, you don't want to be doing last minute. It's really, really true. Unless you are seasoned and you really know what you're doing. I would say just try to make everything ahead. And if you can't, okay. Say that you're like, want to be a little more ambitious and you want to do some last minute things. Mm -hmm. This is where you invite your guests into the kitchen and you make them help you. <laughs> right. Well, that's a yeah. good point too. Yeah. You know, you make like the, the cooking or the serving or the plating becomes, a, I mean, and it's great. It's a, kind of a communal thing. It is an icebreaker for people who don't know each other. So, and it also helps you out because right. you need help. So don't be afraid. Yeah. Exactly. Don't be afraid. And especially this is a good um, technique for incorporating new people into the fold of your friends, right? Like you have new people at a party, which is always nice to have new people. I mean, we all love seeing mm -hmm. the people we love, but we also like meeting new people. The new person feels awkward. Bring them into your kitchen and give them a task. It just makes them less awkward. For people who love to cook um, and also love new friends, combine the two. <laughs> kind of similarly with drinks, if you put out a bowl of punch and you make a bowl of punch, you can do that far in advance, most of the work. And you put that out and you let people ladle it out and they'll ladle it out for each other. Uh, and as they're standing around the punch bowl, they'll get talking. So that's obviously a, a great way of doing things in advance. If you're ambitious and want to make cocktails, which can be fun, if you want a real old-fashioned cocktail party, you could still have a bowl of punch in the back of the room yeah. because otherwise there's going to be a long line and everybody's going to be waiting for their cocktails. Uh, if you can hire a bartender, hire a bartender. That will make your life easier unless you want to show off. Uh, your cocktail making, in which case you need a menu. Yes. You can't just have a full bar. Mm, such a good point. Yeah. You can't let people order whatever they want because they get mad if you don't do it exactly <laughs> how they want, even if they're good friends of yours. And you say, well, I don't have Grey Goose, but I've got this other vodka. And they're thinking, what's, what's wrong with my Grey Goose? Why don't Great. you have my Grey Goose? And then they're mad. But if you have, I, I like to choose three cocktails in advance and I make sure they're all easy to make mm -hmm. and I'll draw up a little menu and I'll print it and I'll put it on the bar and this is what we're drinking. You you can have any cocktail you want as long as it's one of these three. And what are three, like, what's a good mix? Like what's three, like what are, you know, do you mix up the spirits? Yeah, well, one will be like a stirred Manhattan or martini type thing. Uh, one will be a sour, mm -hmm. you know, like, a, you know, in the whiskey sour, margarita, sidecar family, 
that you shake. So one is stirred, one is shaken. And the third one will be like some kind of wild card original that will be a little bit creative. And, you know, it could, it could be shaken, it could be stirred, it doesn't matter. But that one's a little different. There's a little, use the word hack, as the kids mm -hmm. do these days, where I love doing the menu and it's daiquiri, margarita, and like something like a whiskey sour, right? And most people are like three different drinks. Uh-huh. I see where you're going. But for the bartender, it's the same drink or Moscow Mule, Dark and Stormy, and then like a Kentucky Buck. And it's just the, the base spirits different but it's the other ingredients are the same and for most of the guests it's like oh my god this is incredible they're offering six different cocktails in reality you're making two different cocktails but you're just swapping in you know vodka as long as you're making drinks from scratch that's a great you know that's that's an easy addition and it doesn't make things more complicated if it's a real cocktail party i do like making drinks from scratch because people really uh enjoy the kind of the ritual of it this drink was made for me but if you've got a lot of people you can buy you can pre-bottle them and then they, they just need shaking or stirring and, and out they go but uh it depends on your bartending skills also the one thing i like i think is to be avoided is the standard here's a table full of booze and some mixers help yourselves oh yeah that's always a nightmare i feel like if you're going to do that just make a punch yeah, because otherwise you're, people get anxious. They don't know. Yeah. They end up either falling back on what they know, which is boring yeah. and, you know, making simple highballs or they get sloshed because they're just pouring booze into a glass and pounding it down. And there's just so much different booze there. And they, they kind of and nobody's nobody's looking at over their shoulder. But I also kind of feel like it's a party, right? They're coming to your house or wherever you're throwing it you know they expect like something right it's almost like well, younger people you know that that kind of thing is what they're used but it, to but it's like putting out bread and cheese and like a, and like an iron and being like make yourself a grilled cheese in the corner you know like exactly. you know where exactly. like you want like i think there's something especially you know thanks to instagram this whole idea of the signature cocktail or the signature appetizer. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it started with weddings, but now it seems like every affair, no matter how small or large, if you believe the gram, like, you know, you have to have a signature, you know, beverage. And, and again, I mean, it looks good. You get your Instagram moment. I know that's important to you, Dave. And then, <laughs> oh, it is. And it then, is. But it's also easier for you because that way, A, you know what to buy and B, you know, instead of mm -hmm. buying six random bottles of booze you have suddenly. Yeah, you know, you've got your little list of cocktails and it's going to be one of these. You do need a name for every drink. Yes. Uh -huh, right, for your signature. Yes. And, you know, keep it clean. <laughs> So I want to create a signature drink for my party. Not that I ever would, mm. because I would just ask Dave to do it. But here I am. I want to create a signature. How mm -hmm. do I cheat and do that? Take a cocktail you like and swap out one ingredient. Or add an ingredient. Okay, I like a Manhattan. So what do I do? Yeah, you, you, you can add a spoonful, a, a bar spoonful of, you know, liqueur strega. I always like to throw right. in because that tastes good and people don't know what it is. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, you give it a new name, <laughs> but, or, or you replace the vermouth with, uh, an, uh, an Italian aperitivo of a similar proof. 
Okay. And I know Dave has always cautioned me about this, but I'm going to say it anyway, Dave. Most cocktails taste really good with dry sparkling wine on top. Like a daiquiri with sparkling wine on top is very good. You're going to get a lot of drunk people. It, well, right, maybe you're, you serve them in small glasses, maybe, but like, yeah. you know, but uh, some, you know, some of that, or also, you know, I think sometimes if you add like an element of spice, right, you have to be careful, mm -hmm. obviously. Bill Ward's, you know, that new famous New York bartender, like his spicy, like tequila, strawberry, margarita. But again, that takes a deft hand. Otherwise it's yeah. so hot. Everybody will be crying and sweating, you know, but. The, the, the other thing is, is you don't want to do that with, if you've got a little list of drinks that you're serving people, you want to be creative on one of those drinks. Right. And the other two should be drinks that people have heard of that are made just how they're supposed to be made because otherwise you run into, I haven't heard of any of these drinks these are all weird. What am I drinking here? You know, and, and uh, you end up with a lot of booze left over. Which just means a sad party. You don't mind having yeah, the booze exactly. left over, but you want to have a happy party. Because nobody was drinking it. Exactly. That's not what you want. Okay. These are good. These are good tips for me. I'm going to, all right, well, what about this? So what about like taking a spirit, like, um, like you were talking about infusing um, like chili or spice or something into, there was like a margarita. Yeah, exactly. What about that? So is that like a, something else? Would you recommend like, what could you infuse into something? You can infuse like all, like if you go the Scandinavian route, right? You can infuse, you mm -hmm. You know, our, our old friends at Aquavit always had a wall of infusions going, right? Or the, you know, you tarragon and all types of fresh herbs mm -hmm. taste very good into high proof vodka, you know? I you, mean, the only issue with that is if you're doing it for a cocktail party, and you don't know how many drinks people are going to be drinking, you end up you can end up with a lot of bottles of infused spirits sitting true. there that you can't really do anything with because that one drink didn't go over so right, well right. as you thought it would. Tarragon and, infused gin martini was not a <laughs> Yeah. And people had one and they said that was interesting. Now can I have one without the tarragon? And you're like, well, I got the I got the gin with the tarragon in it. Oh my god! That's my problem oh my god, with infusions. Yeah. I've run into this before. Whatever you're serving, hopefully you love the leftovers, right? It's yeah, like, that's a, yeah. I think that's a really good. That is such a good. That's such good party wisdom. Never serve anything that you don't want to have a lot of leftover. Whether it's a drink or food, yeah. you know, like just be happy. Like if make sure that you love everything. Yeah, be, you know, be be careful on like uh, on what how you. How you monkey yeah. with it, put it that way. So, you know, you want it to still be useful when you're done. Yeah. That Roquefort cheese smelling up your fridge and kitchen for, you know, two weeks as you try to chew down the wheel, like, you know, by the end, you're just <laughs> yeah. like, please, like somebody just take this. We, I, uh, A neighbor like sent yeah. out a post, I guess he bought too much smoked salmon, which doesn't seem like a problem to me, but was like, please, people, like, if you want smoked salmon, like, come by and have oh some. Oh, my God, like, I would be there so fast. I've never, I've never yeah. had, I, well, actually, I have had leftover smoked salmon, but then I don't mind it because I just eat it. But. Right, exactly. I mean, And again, I think to your point, Dave, like, it should be something that you personally enjoy and drink, not something that you yeah. buy to impress people. And, and I think it's nice yeah. to sometimes also have, like, you know, a, a staple, right? Like a bottle of Maker's Mark, Johnny Walker, Black Label. It's more fun to please people than it is to impress them. Such a good point. You know? Yeah. 
because a lot of impressing is like, oh my God, look at your skills. Right. It's if it, it, yeah. it's it's sort of nicer to say, oh my God, that is delicious. Yeah. You know, and, and have people saying that. So I always try to keep things fairly restrained. I mean, that's not to say I won't say. I was just thinking, <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the 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 punch itself is 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 going to be pretty basic. I mean, the other thing is that you could also just do a like a festive garnish, right? I mean, you could keep yeah, keep exactly. things straight laced, but do like a cool garnish of fresh fruit or vegetables. And you can prepare those in right. Oh, yeah, like like um, the whole anchovy martini thing where the garnish is like a, gil- a gilda, is that, you know, where it's the little yeah. like anchovy, yeah, olives, little could, pepper. Or, or the fun. olive is stuffed with blue cheese or stuff yeah, yeah, with yeah. something else. I, I was just at a Christmas party at uh, our friend, the spirits writer, Robert Simonson's house, uh, where uh, there was a whole bar of garnishes for martinis oh that's fun that's a nice idea yeah you had all the kinds including gildas and you you could do it fancy or you could just have a lemon peel and uh then the martinis were pre-mixed that's like the the new version the new potato mashed potato bar right that was you know yeah like it's the the, uh olive bar for your martini love it i think that's so that's so smart i would i would plus you then you can just eat them eat the garnishes too and just drink your martini the other day I went yeah. to a, I was at a bar with someone and she said she wanted a vodka martini with olives and no vermouth. I'm like, how is that a martini? Well, man. Well, because it's in a martini. I guess glass. so. I've got. I've said the same thing. I we, I used to have a dear friend and his order is who Dave knows too. Kettle one, shake it hard, no vermouth. Like poured in, like served up, like just in. A, well, I mean, I used to drink martinis in old man bars in New York, and they were all gin no vermouth. You know, shake shaken and no vermouth in those either. Ooh. No, they're not in the 1980s. Yeah. I, you, I, I like I really like vermouth. I like vermouth too, but you know, I was young, and that was and that was a way to stretch my alcohol yeah, dollar. <laughs> or, or maybe you wouldn't want their vermouth anyway. After oh yeah, that's such oh, a good true. point. It was, good it point. was not the best. All right, now I'm thinking about infusing vermouths. Like you know what I mean? Because vermouths are already so aromatic, but you could like play it, play up some one of the. And they're small bottles, and you only. And use they're a little small bit. bottles, so if you wanted to put your tarragon in there, I don't know why I'm saying right. tarragon. I actually, well, tarragon's really. I, I would. I was like, this is. I was like, this is great idea. I much. I mean, rosemary. You could. It's not my favorite, but that would also work. Some people do that. Well, like, one one way of handling all that stuff is to uh, is to put your ingredients in a syrup. That would go into a sour, right. for instance. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this because sugar is very cheap. Yep. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> and so you can you can make the infusion, and if it doesn't go, you know, it's not the end of the world that you have to throw. And, it and out. the good news is, like, I mean, it's the basic recipes, like an ounce and a half, two ounces of spirit, an ounce roughly of lemon juice, lime juice, and then an ounce of your simple syrup is just sugar and water and, Not even, and then yeah, like half an ounce of syrup, i mean so. normally you don't have to do it on the stove but you could do it on the stove and then throw in some herbs or you could do spanish brandy with uh lemon juice and pimenton syrup Ooh. for instance Ooh. And everybody would, that sounds good everybody would go, Ooh, la, la. that sounds you nice. know this that's smoky and spicy and and so then you serve so that forth. with your marcona almonds you buy your fancy almonds exactly see another thing we could talk about a little bit is themes oh yeah the theme is very helpful for a party. 
because it lets you organize the food and drink mm. so so that everything kind of supports each other and it gives you suggestions and also allows your guests to contribute you know a friend does a, a scotches and latkes party right so everybody brings scotch right mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. they know already it yeah. takes the onus off of like them finding the perfect thing to bring it's just like do that spirits and cocktails can also be a dessert thing too right like where mm -hmm. you know i think it was johnny walker gold who was suggesting that you pour it over the ice cream it's delicious uh, a lot of spirits work with frozen desserts and as long as you've got uh some equally exotic non-alcoholic syrup yes. for people who don't want that's them. a good point you don't want them to be completely left out as like sorry you get, you get vanilla ice cream you get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get there's vanilla ice cream for you, and you can watch us eat the eat the eat the good scotch on it. Yeah, well, I mean that's another. I mean, just you know, just in terms of like non-alcoholic drinks for your party. I mean, I always say it's. I think I really believe you should have something aside from seltzer. I mean, yes, you have your water and your seltzer, but I just feel like that's such a bummer if you're not drinking. Like, say you're not drinking one night or whatever, or you're or you don't drink. You should have really good options. So I, I feel like, um, do you guys have any ideas for that? Like, I mean, I know I have some ideas, but like, what are some good, I mean, that's your simple syrup, I guess. Well, my, my favorite is always is to make a really good lemonade. Right. Because who doesn't love that? People think though lemonade boring, but it's not boring. If you do it where you peel the lemons and put the peels in with the sugar the day before and it extracts the uh, the oil. Like your oleosaccharum, right? Your oleosaccharum, exactly, as it's known these days. And you you do that one part of that, you know, where, where you pour the juice back in with the sugar, equal parts uh, juice and uh, sugar, uh, and shake it up. You could put one part of that resulting shrub, as they call it, to five or six parts of water or sparkling water. And that's a delicious drink uh, and and, you know, surprising. Did we did something similar for Thanksgiving? My son insisted on doing uh, that shrub, but then also we added a fancy pineapple ginger juice, and that was good. With with it was it was with you needed to have like a little water or seltzer to stretch it out, but on the rocks it was delicious. People could add rum to that if they wanted the adults, but obviously people who weren't drinking it was delicious. We just did an episode um, um, with Dale DeGroff, the legendary bartender, about eggnog. He talked about doing a non-alcoholic eggnog, which I didn't know that you really could do. But yeah. in that episode, Dale basically um, gives a recipe for doing one that that becomes like a very festive non-alcoholic eggnog. And so, is it just like a big, like a big creme anglaise, like a big custard, or? I think it's it, there's like cream and. Uh and and more milk right right and then you can spike it with a little if you want but and then, then you've got the nutmeg and the sugar and the eggs and yeah i think that's actually really i mean especially if you have kids around like if you put booze in the eggnog everybody's lost because then you know it has to be i think it i really believe it should be a separate and then you should add it because that way you don't drink too much because it's so delicious and then your kids can share it Right, exactly. I mean, that's I would do or two, you do yeah. two bowls yeah, if you have a lot of guests, but like it's not so hard. Yeah, you can also make them to order non-alcoholic ones. Very easy to to make in a cocktail. Right. Shop. You throw that's in true. an egg, you throw in some sugar, you throw in some cream, maybe a couple drops of vanilla extract, nutmeg, nutmeg. Got to have the nutmeg, nutmeg, and just shake the hell out of it, and suddenly it's delicious. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Get good eggs for that. Yeah. Good yes. Small, that, smaller gap. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't know, like if, at least as a kid, my dream was always to get one of those like malted machines, like, you know, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the green ones that oh, you would see God, like yes. in old candy stores. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know I, I, if, if anybody has one of those, you could certainly, use those. certainly do it in there. Whip, yeah. 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 Or, or, you know, with egg, you know, but uh, it would make a very festive drink. I, I think Dave's right though. Like you could, especially the lemonade, you know, and playing with different citrus varieties this year, this, this time of year too, whether it's like clementine juice that you add or mm-hmm. lemon juice. I mean, there's, you can get fresh pressed juice in so many grocery stores now. I also think like regular, you know, real cider, not hard cider, not apple juice, mm. but like from a farmer's market or even supermarket now has some really delicious regular cider that, you know, and you, you maybe sprinkle some freshly grated um, nutmeg or cinnamon on top of that. You can also do a lot with iced tea. Uh, you can do a lot with Arnold Palmer's, you know, Yeah. with with that shrub, that same lemonade. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot you can do. You have to kind of know your guest list and who's going to be there. Uh, if there are a lot of people who, who will not be drinking, then you need to go more and hit it right. harder. If there are a couple, you can, it's easier to, 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 to make sure they're taken care of partly just, you know, with personal hospitality, just check in with them and see what they need and, and get the yeah. money in. I mean, and that's actually another thing to delegate to people who you know, people who don't drink. Right. Like, it's a really good thing to do. De- if they say, what can I bring? You know, you, that is right. like the perfect thing to have them yeah. bring. Can you bring some like really festive, delicious, non-alcoholic drinks yeah. for people? That's like perfect. Because they, first of all, they know what to get there and they know what they like. So they're taking care of themselves and they're sharing it. And especially as we head into the real deep holiday season, like you have obviously nighttime parties, but you also have the brunch party, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the same vein to your olive bar, Dave, you, you also have Bloody Mary season, right? Where mm-hmm. you have Bloody Mary bar, which is both alcoholic and non-alcoholic since a lot of people like yeah, yeah. drinking tomato juice and you have festive garnishes and that's always kind of fun. And I would make sure that there was either the host or somebody behind the bar to make the bloody marys for people because some people are going to be have no problem with it and other people are going to be i don't know how to make a bloody mary i don't know how to make bloody mary so (laughs) oh all right well see this is good and also if you have a white carpet probably not the best or a white couch i think that's same thing, like no pasta sauce if you're having a party. Do people with white couches have parties? I've I've been I've been to a party where there's a giant white carpet and I'm just like really like please don't oh. open red wine. Please don't open red wine. Yeah. Like I yeah, mean yeah, it was yeah. my house, but I like my internal monologue was like please like just did they open not, red wine of did course they do it? of course and what happened and of, was course, it spilled? of course like i mean it's it, like it's it's like a it's some kind of like no this rule. Is, those things are like, magnetic right those, it's those like white carpets it's <laughs> exactly. like you know a rule of movie making if there's like a gut in the corner it's going to go off at some point right if there's like a bottle of red wine obviously it's going to be sprayed all over the carpet so that's why i like to have nice red carpets on my floors yeah. <laughs> at all times right at all times. red carpet is good exactly Cover everything in saran wrap everything yeah. in plastic you know that's the butcher paper. It's all black and red so there's no damage cardboard and butcher paper that's fine you know people can draw on it it's very festive well thank you so much for for coming on and, and joining us uh looking forward to uh 
Now I'm looking forward to the holiday season, I have to say. Less trepidation. Well, thank you for having me. I can't wait to uh, toast you both at a holiday party in the near future. Likewise. Absolutely. We'll find a way. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers.